Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Before we get to the show, a quick but I think compelling pitch. Do you know about our secret menu? It's a subscription tier of a thing or two, and it's where we share our shopping guides, answer reader questions, go deep on the trends we're seeing in food, fashion, and design, and just generally get into topics that excite us. Secret menu subscribers receive an exclusive newsletter every Thursday and also get access to all of our back issues and special resources like our baby registry guide and wedding registry guide. It's four bucks a month and you can cancel anytime. Sign up at a thing or two HQ.com to receive it as well as our endless gratitude for supporting what we do. Okay, here's the show. Welcome to A Thing or Two, a deep dive into stuff we think more people should know about. I'm Clara Mazur. And I'm Erica Cerullo. If you want more where this came from and want to support us in general, head to a thing or two hq.com and sign up for Secret Menu, which will get you weekly access to members-only content. To share your thoughts on this episode or anything at all, leave us a voicemail at 833-632-5463 or DM us on Instagram at a thing or two HQ. Claire, I think you'll appreciate the other day, Thomas... Thomas sometimes listens to our podcast when he goes surfing early in the morning mm-hmm. and he came home with feedback on the fast food episode mm. and like wanted to know why we didn't talk about Culver's and like just, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. Somebody else own- got upset with us for not talking about Culver's. I just have only been there once, I think. Claire, I was also like, I don't have, my experience with Culver's is not rich enough to comment on. <laughs> and he just at like, when he got home from surfing at like 8.45 or whatever, like mm-hmm. wanted to chat more about it. And I was like, I think you should call and leave a voicemail. <laughs> Wow. So he put the number in his phone and next time (laughs) he has a thought about the podcast that he wants to share, he's going to put it, he's going to call. O-M-G. So look out. Wow. First of all, I wonder how many people have our voicemail lines saved in their contacts. (laughs) I hope more now. I hope more now. It makes me want to save it. 833-632-5463. We only recently changed the outgoing message to make it not about of a kind. So yeah. call, hear what we yeah. hear about. Hear our outgoing message now. Makes me want to call and leave voicemails. Yeah, right? <laughs> I, you know what? I did have something I wanted to leave a voicemail or wanted to like comment on our Instagram about recently. Tell me. I was upset with us. For one, when we talked about Clinique, not mentioning Clinique happy. Yeah, okay. somebody DM'd us just Clinique happy. And I was like, right, true. And then uh-huh. related to that, 
we did not discuss Gap perfume at mm, all. And no one's oh called us out. And thank you all for being so kind. Well, maybe we need to do a whole other episode on perfumes. On fragrances. I just... Because I the like, 90s was such... And the early aughts were such a, a important era for scents. For iconic yes. scents. Yes. Yes. Yeah. No. Sense. Oh, gosh. Remember grass? So controversial. And like... I had a friend who wore grass and she definitely mm-hmm. considered herself like alternative. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. And guess what? She wasn't. It didn't smell good. It, yes. <laughs> which was the point. It Correct. Was, yeah. We should ask our pal Mickey Drexler about that, actually. I wonder mm. if he could shed, could give us a little bit of an oral history of the Gap Scent program. Because I do want to know what was happening at corporate around all of that. Yeah. Grass, dream. What I can't name any. There was of the other I, ones. yeah. There was one other that looked. It was like similar to dream. To dream. Like, yes, yeah. There were two yeah, blue and ones. I can't. Mm-hmm, yeah. It was mm-hmm. like happy. Well, no, not mm-hmm, happy because that was mm-hmm. Clinique. Okay. Well, someone will tell us. Okay. We have so much to get into on this episode. <laughs> I don't want to get uh, get off track. Off, get further yeah. off track than go I already than I already drove us. Yeah. yeah. Because we're starting with a really exciting topic, the retirement of the Minneapolis State Fair butter sculptor. This is huge. So you and I have talked about the Minneapolis State Fair a few times Mm -hmm. because it is a truly um, iconic state fair that we have both attended. Mm -hmm. It's like the only, I mean, I think I've been to the Illinois State Fair and the the Minnesota State Fair and that's it. And the Minnesota State Fair is known for being like one of the, one of the best. It's like that in Texas and maybe Iowa, like those are the contenders. And- yeah, I mean, just like the butters, we the, like. Can you explain the butter sculptors? Yeah, I mean, sure, this was certainly this was certainly one of the things that left the biggest impression on me on my when attending the fair. So there's a dairy tent in it. You can get milkshakes and soft serve and see cows being milked and stuff like that. But you is can, that where the birthing tent is, or no? That's no, somewhere it's else. separate. The ba- that's mm-hmm. the baby animal yeah. birthing tent elsewhere. Yeah, Got but it. Mm-hmm. I feel like they're probably next door to each other and similar vibes. But in the middle of the dairy tent, there is a giant glass dome that is rotating. So it's almost like, I don't know how to describe it. It's like on a lazy Susan, but it's massive. And inside of it is a sculptor carving a bust of a woman who's, and they're both in big down parkas and she's carving a butter bust of a beauty pageant winner. And basically all of the candidates for Princess K of the Milky Way, which is this beauty pageant. One more time. Princess what? Princess K of the Milky Way. It's too good. I could be getting this wrong. Please don't fact check me because we're not (laughs) journalists. I think all of the candidates get their bust carved, but it may be that just the winner does. I think just the winner. I think just... mm. But what confuses me about that is that there's usually more than... Yeah, yeah, there's usually more than one, I think. I could be wrong. It might be... It might not be all the contestants. It might be like first, second, and third or like, you know, if you Or maybe age groups. Who knows? Right, 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 Um, right, right. Yeah. Okay, fine. Right. So whoever wins Princess, whoever becomes Princess K of the Milky Way gets their bust, their butter bust. It's actually called a butter head, which that's like the term for it, which is also funny because they couldn't call it butter face because that's a mean joke. Like yes. a mean term. Like I a mean, mean, I don't know if that was joke. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if that was why they called it butterhead, but it does feel like they like wanted to make it really specific. Like they yeah. in, they used a term so that no one could say the other thing. It also, this is like just a weird association I have in my head, but I associate like heads with Minneapolis because my grandmother-in-law collected pot heads, which are just pots shaped like heads. So I'm like, I don't know, maybe that's like a Midwestern thing to just have blank heads. I'm sorry, pot heads. Mm-hmm. 
And we're not, that's not a confusing term (laughs) at all for anyone. Yeah, no, (laughs) they're so weird and creepy and I hope to be gifted some. So anyway, so there's, yes, it's just the most bizarre thing. They're these like beautifully, intricately carved busts made out of butter. And it's so funny to watch also because it's so cold in that dome because it has to be. So it's so hot in during the Minneapolis State Fair, but here are these women in these like huge down parkas inside this thing rotating while doing their thing so that everybody can watch. And it's sort of like ice sculpture adjacent. Yeah. It's like just slightly more permanent than ice sculpture in the, or not even more permanent, but like a little lasting than ice sculpture. One thing I didn't find out is how long they keep these things around for. Ooh, till they smell, probably, huh? Probably. So they're they're 90 pound blocks of butter that are carved into bust to give you a sense of the size of them. This woman, Linda Christensen, has been the sculpture, the butter sculptor at the Minnesota State Fair for 50 years. She has carved more than 500 of these. So she must do like 10 a year. So who are the... Well, I think she did some for other events too. There was something in this article that we read from the Star Tribune about Sesame Street characters she carved right. that got her backstage access to a perform- to show. So, I, yeah. But I think she's carved more than 500 Princess Caves of the Milky Way. I don't okay. know. Okay. Well, I don't regardless, know. Regardless. Regardless. Okay. So now she's giving up this role. So... This was included in a recent installment of New York Magazine's Approval Matrix. Mm-hmm. And the caption or the, the copy was, Minnesota State Fair's <laughs> butter sculptor calls it quits after successful caloric 50-year run. I think the word we're looking for here is retires. Calls it quits yeah. is like rude. <laughs> this Anybody who's, a, who's done they, anything for 50 years and then stops, retired. That's like, whatever. But I also like how they made it sound like she quit in a huff. Like she was like, I can no longer. I could, right. I am like done she here. she like stomped out of this like dome or something. I also was kind of mad about the word caloric, which just doesn't feel yeah, like necessary. I, and I agree. We Don't just get, got some copy yeah. edits yeah. <laughs> the approval, on the approval matrix in general, I would say. Well, and far from quitting in a huff, she has been training her successor for years now. She has been planning for this. Of course so she, she has. Of course she has because she is a professional. She's a consummate professional. She even handed her carving tools off to this guy. She had her, her butter knife was named Old Faithful. It was only 30 years old, not 50, because it was part of a replacement kit to her original carving tools, which were stolen. Who steals butter carving tools? I do. I'm interested in knowing if the theft was like linked to like knowing whose butter tools they were or like not. Okay, so very unrelated to this, but mm-hmm. feels related in my brain mm-hmm. is that Andy Murray, the tennis player recently, mm-hmm. he, his car, his like shoes were in his car and they were making his car stink. And so he, he didn't have any place to air them out except like outside of his car. So he mm-hmm. like put them under his car overnight and someone stole them. And in my mind, I'm like, wait, did someone steal them because they're Andy Murray's or because they were tennis shoes? complicated thing is that he had tied his wedding band (gasps) to his laces because he doesn't play in it. And so that got stolen too. He got it back. How? Okay. Well, he posted, you know, he posted a video on Twitter and I think someone was like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Wow. I'm interested in Um, that caper. Somebody was like, I could auction these off in an underground market and brag about the fact that these belong to Linda Christensen. (laughs) 
Thank you so much to Cove for sponsoring today's episode. I feel like once every six months, there's a new New York Times headline about some breakthrough study with migraines or like a new medicine or something like that, because it just was understudied for so long because migraine, like chronic migraines, especially tend to be a woman's problem. And it's just one of these many things where it's like frustrating because clearly there's money to be made. And if that's what's driving this stuff, like let's go people. Well, isn't like the brain and like neurology also interesting enough to study? You'd think <laughs> one business that I am so impressed by is Cove. Um, and they're doing it in a way that just makes a lot of sense and is addressing a real need in the migraine community, which is just easier access to meds regularly and getting plenty of them. So Cove, the leading online migraine clinic specializes in the diagnosis and treatment of migraines from all the com- all from the comfort of your home. Did you realize that there's only one specialist per 80,000 migraine sufferers in the US? That is clearly not enough, but Cove makes quality care accessible and affordable. Go to withcove.com and complete an online consultation designed by leading neurologists. It's as thorough as an in-person doctor's visit. Then a licensed doctor will review your migraine history and recommend a treatment plan customized specifically to your needs. What's more, your prescriptions will be delivered right to your door. No waiting for a doctor's appointment, no pharmacy lines, just specialized care to help you better control your migraine. What's even better, Cove is affordable. Their doctor fees and prescriptions are as little or less than most insurance co-pays. Prescriptions start at just $10 a month. With Cove, you can have more migraine-free days. Cove's doctors have treated 2.4 million migraine attacks and counting. Go to withcove.com to see their reviews. 96% of patients give the doctors and care five stars. Get the relief you need right now with Cove. Go to withcove.com slash a thing or two for 50% off your first month of medication and free two-day shipping. That's 50% off your first month of medication and free two-day shipping at withcove.com slash a thing or two. Spelled W-I-T-H-C-O-V-E.com slash a thing or two. Hey guys, I'm Kinsey from the I Love You So Much podcast. On my show, we talk about everything, lifestyle, business, finance, beauty, you name it. My favorite part about the show is the amazing guests that we bring on. We have everyone ranging from like business experts to influencers, CEOs, creative masterminds. It's so much fun. If you guys want to find me on Instagram, it is just at Kinsey Elizabeth. I release new episodes every Thursday, so hope to see you there. Gosh, I wonder how if like Linda Christensen surfaces on eBay or something, you know, (laughs) is that a search term? The most charming thing about the story of her training this guy for so many years. So she, the guy who's replacing her is Jerry Colzer. And it said, for the past few years, Christensen has been working with Jerry Colzer, not only teaching him how to carve butter, but also tricks like pressing fingers numbed from carving cold butter to warm windshields that had been sitting in the sweltering sun in the parking lot. So good. So then the the windshields all have butter prints on them. So I I love it so much. I also this is tied to part part of the reason she's retiring, which is that she was like, my hands can't like take that that much cold anymore. Like, of course, old older bones and yeah, joints. Yeah, they don't stay flexible anymore. There are some pictures in this article that are just too good of her sculpting, of her sculpting in the 70s and 80s and the hairdos that she had to do. I mean, you can imagine what beauty contestant hair looked like in the late 70s and early 80s. That's like its own 40 pounds of butter. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I think, yeah, yeah. Just really something. We just really felt like there needed to be a reality show about this, right? 
like about the butter yes. sculpting world, this niche world, or a Christopher Guest movie or something. Well, so there is a movie that's like a little bit adjacent to a Christopher Guest movie. It's this 2011 movie called Butter starring a young Yara Shahidi. And she is an adopted girl in a small Iowa town who discovers her talent for butter carving. I, I can't believe I've never seen this and I can't believe you have. I, I haven't seen the whole thing. I fell asleep, Claire, which I don't think is says anything about the movie. I think it says everything about me. But it also stars Jennifer Garner and Olivia Wilde. Like, it's definitely trying wow. to be this vibe. But I also so it just, is, it's like a comedy. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, I love it. And yeah, like Yara Shahidi is like a young butter sculpting prodigy. Like, it's incredible. <laughs> but I do just feel like we have the Great Pottery Throwdown. We have the Great British Breakoff. We have the flower one that I can't think of mm-hmm, right I, now that I cannot get into. We deserve the butter we one. Absolutely do. We, we absolutely have some pitches do. for names, just mm-hmm. a few. Yes. Butter or bust. Love it. Dairy Queens with a Z for trademark reasons. Perfect. Truth or dairy. Great. Butter up. I think butter up is probably my favorite. I think that's a really good one. Truth or dairy is really good. It's just a little bit like, wait, what's the truth? What's the... Well, and it doesn't hit the butter thing hard enough. You just don't know what you're getting right away. Butter up is great. Yeah. So much potential. So much potential. Speaking of butter. Speaking of butter. We are going to talk about baking today, which we just really don't talk about very much because... We really don't. You have, I, I would say you have some like, which do like mixed feelings about baking or like. Well, I've just always felt like insecurities. I'm not a baker. Yeah, insecurities. Because yeah. I'm just not precise enough, one, and precise or patient enough. I, two. Okay. okay. So those Keep are, going. okay. Th- there's those things. Two, if I bake, have baked goods in my house, I will eat them all at once. So I yes. don't typically bake for that reason, two. And then three, there are. Okay, I'm going to keep, I have more. My mom is a really good baker and all the things she bakes feels like they have these challenging techniques. There's the separating the egg whites and then the folding of the egg whites. And there's a lot of sifting happening in our house and like all this stuff where I'm just well, like, that's, that's a choice. way too hard. That's a, that's the choosing recipe. Well, no, not even the sifting. No. Just those are, that's like choosing hard recipes, which yeah. is not all baking. No, true. But I think it's like the precision that is not my thing. I'm a much more improvisational cook in general. Can we talk about the precision thing for a second? Because I understand what you're saying, but it, but you're not making these recipes up on the fly. Like it's just reading a list of things and then dumping shit into a bowl. No, I know. But that's what I'm saying. I enjoy being more improvisational. Okay. Like I enjoy, and yeah. like, I just, I'm not, a, I'm much more of an art than a science cook. Like I just yeah, like yeah, yeah, to yeah, be yeah. able to, to like, Zhuzh a little bit. It's just Freeform. not as fun for me to be like, yeah. I'm doing exactly this and exactly that. Like, I feel like very often when I cook, I'm like, I see what you've told me to do and I'm going to do that, but I'm also going to like double the tomato or whatever it is. And so it's just not as totally. interesting to me to be like, I'm going to put exactly this much and exactly that much. Sometimes I really like it. Like, and I, like, I, I think it's fun for a, for a spell. Like, oh, let's do something different. <laughs> yeah. But I just don't rarely feel the urge to bake, except when I was pregnant and I like constantly felt the urge to bake and I couldn't tell you why. Fascinating. Okay. That's helpful. Um, I read, I, Dory Greenspan just did an interview with Garden and Gun and she had a compelling quote about 
about people who are afraid to bake. She said, so many people who like to cook are afraid to bake, but I really think that baking can actually be easier because if you have a good recipe, you follow it. It's This not is like my how, point. Yes, yeah. keep going. <laughs> it's not how like, it's not like how cooking is a little of this and a little of that. It's follow the recipe, relax, go along your merry way. And sure, there are some judgment calls and adjustments for preference, but it's not cooking season to taste. What does that mean? You're not poking a steak and deciding if it's like the fleshy part of your palm. With baking, you're baking until you poke a tester stick in it and it comes out clean. And I totally get that. I'm just like, that's not the thing for me. Like, I actually like those parts of cooking. And I here's the thing, too. Baking is so transformative of ingredients. Yeah. Like, and I just never trust that it's actually going to come out the way that it's supposed to. Really? And so often I feel like it doesn't. Like, I'm like, why is it all soupy? It's supposed to be spongy. And so, yeah, I don't know. Okay, that's interesting. I think I don't bake all that much mostly because if I bake something, then yes, it's like your reason number two or three, I can't recall. Of like, if it's around, then I'm just like, I'm going to have cake every day or I'm going to have cake for breakfast or whatever. But I do, I just, I'm like, when people feel like they're like not good at it or afraid of it, I'm like, it's like, but it's easier. Like it just really doesn't Mm -hmm. require truly anything, but can you read directions from top to bottom and then can you follow them? But less satisfying, I understand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's different, yeah. But I certainly can understand, it's not a mystery to me why people do it as like a therapeutic thing and or a stress thing. Like I totally understand it and I, I understand the satisfying aspect of it for sure. So what we wanted to talk about were you know, after this setup of like why we don't bake. The things that we do feel compelled to bake, especially now that it's like good oven weather mm-hmm. and like holiday stuff, which I is I do like, like baking around the holidays. That's, same. It just feels very festive to me. Very festive, very festive. I wanted to talk about a couple of cookbooks that I really like. And I feel like I just don't have that many at this point mm-hmm. that I like are go-tos, but there are three. Okay. The Cake Bible, which I think is just one of the best cookbooks in general. And- I can't remember what year it came out. I should have looked that up. But it's just this like very sort of like epically classic book of cakes and the pineapple upside down cake recipe in that cookbook is- It came out in 1988. I was going to guess like mid 80s or Mm -hmm. or early 90s. And you know how you know without looking it up is that the cake Bible shows you how to one, two, three, four. And then number five is make many low to no cholesterol, low saturated fat recipes. (laughs) That's uh, the snack well, Sarah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Fascinating. This is a cookbook that I've like looked at a lot when I was like a kid and would cook from and the pictures in it are so good. And they just like, and like in in like an late 80s, 90s, like mm-hmm. elegant cakes, like sort of way. I remember there's one that has this like dome on top of it, it of sugar that, that you definitely like are it's like molded in some way, shape or form that they're like little bees on. I mean, just absolutely fancy. fancy. Really much more like cookbook that says I came out in 2019 is the Canelli Vanel gluten-free recipes for every meal and mood cookbook, which is excellent in Mm -hmm. its like very own way. And there's this one bowl apricot and olive oil cake in that thing that is just like perfect and you can sub kind of any fruit in it and it's yeah. and what do you use nuts like uh, nut you flour? use almond flour yeah. exactly and I like a nut-based dessert in general but I do like like nut meal in a dessert yes and in a baked yes. good a lot I just 100%. like the flavor and the consistency a hundred percent and then the last cookbook is the four and twenty blackbirds pie cookbook which do you make pies 
Yeah, but only around the holidays, really. You know what? I mostly like the flavors of summer pies, but I mm-hmm. don't like turning on an oven in the yep. summer most of the time. But this cookbook is really wonderful. And the salty honey pie from 4 and 20 Blackbirds is just like so ridiculously good and a really good Thanksgiving pie, actually. What are the things you have up your sleeve recipe-wise? I really have, at the moment, these things like change over the years where, because I forget about some things, but the one that I have up my sleeve right now is the Claudia Roden orange and almond cake, Mm -hmm. which is just the easiest and so good. This does not seem easy to me. When I read this recipe, I was like, you're like boiling oranges and using a food processor. And like, that does not seem easy to me. Oh my God. It's like, I'm like, it couldn't be easier. You boil oranges with their skin on whole for, I don't know, like an hour or two hours. You- an hour or two but hours. You don't keep going, have to be keep there. Going. You're not involved. Yeah. And you grind up almonds in a food processor. And then you grind up the using the same food processor. So you're not getting a lot dirty. You grind uh-huh. up the oranges with their skin on uh-huh. in the food processor. You mix the oranges and the almonds and eggs together with sugar and baking powder. And that is it. And then you just pour it in a pan. And it like to me, I'm like, there are like four steps and five ingredients and it is so easy. And it is also just so good. It's super almondy. It's super moist. It's so good with like whipped cream or yogurt or berries. It's a good breakfast cake. I made it for the first time for your birthday it was after so good. Cam you, was born. Yeah. So I was like five weeks postpartum as a testament to how easy this thing is. It was like, yeah, is it's so easy and wonderful. I hear you. I mean, I just think that, I think you are someone who's like, Totally, I'll get the food processor out for just about anything. And I'm well, like, for me, I'm like, absolutely not. Okay. I, yeah, I yeah, love yeah. the food processor because for me, I'm like, it is so much easier to deal with the food processor than to sit there chopping forever. Yeah. But yeah, no, totally. The other thing that I have up my sleeve that came about during this like weird frenzy that I had while I was pregnant is the Julia Tertian afternoon cake, which is mm. very similar in style to the Claudia Roden one. It's like you mix a bunch of stuff, you can hand mix it in a bowl, and then you pour it into a pan. And you can use nut. You, well, it asks you to make nut meal, but you can do whatever nuts. So I've like done it with pistachios. I've done it with almonds. The thing that I really like that made me feel really fancy and like. I think tricked some people into thinking I was baked more than I did is that once the cake is in the pan, you can swirl jam into it and make it like oh. marbled and look really fancy. And and it, that is when you can have some freedom to, yes, it, to express exactly. yourself. Which is a beauty, one of the beautiful things about Julia Tertian in general, and especially the Small Victories cookbook that Afternoon Cake comes from, is she gives you at the end of the recipe all of these like small victories that you can have. Be like, try this, do that, whatever, as a way of making people who are intimidated by it recipes being like, this is, you can kind of do this anyway. It feels sort of similar to me to that one bowl apricot and olive oil cake, but then also this like very classic Smitten Kitchen strawberry summer cake, Mm, which mm -hmm. I used to make all the time. You top it with strawberries that you put like face down is not the word, but you know, know, cut side down and you sprinkle sugar on top and then they get all like squishy to like, they kind of turn into that jam consistency. Oh man, it's so good. It is so good. Another cake that I've only made a couple times, but feels like a good like celebratory cake is this Yoramoto Lengi flourless coconut cake. And it would be very good all in, on its own, but there's this like chocolate ganache that gets poured mm. over it. And like as a person who does not really care about chocolate, I have to say this ganache is so good and just feels so like in that like birthday or like dinner party or whatever, like decadent of like, mm-hmm. oh, you're pouring like chocolate over a cake. Like that's like so fancy. 
I was thinking I'm going to, I think I'm going to do a, bir- I'm going to cook a birthday cake for Cam this year. I think yeah. I would just like that as like a project or a challenge and yeah. maybe do like a fun, weird, like an Instagrammy one with like colored multi-tier Stuff. color thing. Yeah. You, you know, know, I feel like Molly A has an answer, has an answer yeah, for you. I'm sure she does. I'm sure she does. The cake that my mom always makes for our birthdays, which is my all-time favorite cake. And I absolutely would not make because it involves folding egg whites is a Julia Child cake called a pan de jeune, which is a Genoa almond cake. And it is so good. I feel like you've had it. Probably, but I, I think she made it, it for my baby shower. It's like, and oh, it has a yeah. ton of ground up almonds in it. And like Gosh, she grinds. Theme. There's just like so much nut flour in this. <laughs> so up. it does have actual flour, but I think it like only kind of a little bit. And the almonds really take center stage and it is so moist. And she chops up the almonds very coarsely. So you really like taste them. It's in Julia's Kitchen Wisdom. I found it online, like a scan of the book, basically. That That's right. We'll link. Again, if somebody is, capable of folding egg whites, I would really encourage you to try this cake. I think it is so incredible and it just a, a comfort cake. The thing I always remember having that your mom made were her ginger cookies. Mm. That we, she made it like one time we had a, a team outing to our warehouse when we were running of a kind and oh, we stopped right. by your parents' house for dinner after, which like on again, the way home, like <laughs> what a specific moment in yes. time. And your mom made these cookies. And like, I don't know, part of it was like a long day and part yeah. of it was just like being in a home and like mm-hmm. whatever, but also it was these cookies. She also made those for my baby shower. And it's funny, some somebody who worked for us back then and like this was, I don't know, probably 20. 12 or 2013 texted me really recently and was like, I just made those ginger cookies for my boyfriend and he's obsessed because I guess my mom gave her the recipe. They are a recipe by Emily Lucchetti who had this cookbook that was a big thing in my house growing up. It's the Stars Dessert Cookbook. So Stars was Mm. this restaurant that I guess was known for, and it's definitely, it's definitely a, I'm going to say mid, very mid nineties vibe. Let's see, Stars Desserts by Emily Lucchetti can we find published in 1991 Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. these ginger cookies are from there. They're like similar to ginger snaps, but a lot more moist. I would say they're way better. There's no there. Yeah. They're better. Well, and they, they have a lot of like real ginger in them. The other thing that is in this cookbook, if, if anybody wants to find this probably out of print cookbook are Starios, which are the stars take on Oreos with a mascarpone filling. And my God, they're so good. My mom used to make those all the time growing up too. And they're the Starios were just such a thing like, oh my God, mom's making Starios. I mean, mascarpone <laughs> filling, like incredible, incredible. No, what the thing about the ginger cookies is that they're like, they have squish, mm-hmm. which I feel like yeah. is like a very key like cookie thing for me. Yeah. And the other cookies that really fit that bill are the ovenly peanut butter cookies, Mm -hmm. which I like did a whole ode to in our secret menu newsletter recently. But these are like three ingredient cookies. They're so easy. They're so delicious. They're like naturally gluten-free. And they're the kind of thing you could like make a batch of and then freeze and then just like pop some in the oven whenever you wanted in that like Cher Horowitz, you know, (laughs) sort of way. Yeah. Aspirational. Yes, totally. Thank you so much to Maiden for sponsoring today's episode. You know, one of these things that I think about kind of a lot for no good reason is the fact that Anthony Bourdain really hated garlic presses. <laughs> I think I think about it a lot because I use garlic presses all the time and I love my garlic Shame press. Shame on you. Shame on yeah. you. Yeah. <laughs> but I think it's, it is one of those, like, I believe him that he thinks it makes garlic taste worse. And it's one of those things that I think really speaks to this idea that like, 
the way you cut your, that you prep your food and the quality of the tools you use does actually lead to it tasting different, which I think is like a hard concept to wrap your head around unless you're someone who cooks a lot and thinks about food a lot that like the way you cut a tomato will change the way the tomato tastes. And that's why it's so important to have good kitchen tools. Wow. Wow. Look mm-hmm. at all of that. Do you like um, the way I just wove Anthony Bourdain into this? I, you know, no, I managed to do it. Really, you did it. Maiden produces professional quality cookware for those who love to cook. They source the finest materials and partner with renowned craftsmen and chefs to make premium kitchen tools available directly to you without the markup. They've got the best pots, pans, knives, and wine glasses that are made to last and come with a lifetime guarantee. Their cookware distributes heat evenly and can go easily from the stovetop to the oven. In fact, I put one of their pans in the oven just the other night. And their knives are fully forged, perfectly balanced, and stay sharp. They have over 28,000 five-star reviews and their products are used by some of the world's best chefs at Michelin star restaurants around the world. Maiden is better cookware for better meals. Right now, Maiden is offering our listeners 15% off your first order with promo code a thing or two. This is the best discount available anywhere online for Maiden products. Go to maidencookware.com slash a thing or two and use the promo code a thing or two for 15% off your first order. That's maidencookware.com slash a thing or two. Use the promo code a thing or two. Thank you so much to Calm for sponsoring today's episode. Erica, you know that I have this like internal stand-up routine that's basically just me complaining about all the things we're asked, we're like supposed to do on a daily basis, like yes. how many things, like kegels and flossing and meditating and all the stuff. And and like a morning routine that could take like 45 hours. Exactly. If, if given like, the opportunity. And I guess what I wanted to ask you as someone who is a bit of an enthusiast about both of these topics. If you could only do one, which do you think is more important, meditating or flossing? Flossing doesn't require much headspace. Can you True. do both? Can you like do them both at the same time? It's actually a great question, Erica, because I I think one like an expert would say you can certainly practice mindfulness while flossing and that and that if you don't have time to meditate during the day if you can't do it then just be make flossing your mindful moment for the day pay attention to what it feels like what it smells like like all of it maybe and less just, smell but yeah 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 you know but listen <laughs> but mindfulness feel, is about yeah. the good and the bad that's true that's true <laughs> okay okay fair <laughs> and you know i think calm could probably help you achieve that level of um mindfulness that would make you the type of person who could both meditate and floss at the same time wow 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 yeah. wow wow we're partnering with calm the number one mental wellness app to give you the tools that improve the way you feel clear your head with guided daily meditations improve your focus with calm's curated music tracks and drift off to dreamland with calm's imaginative sleep stories well, maybe you play one of these while flossing mm, good idea And if you go to calm.com slash a thing or two, you'll get a limited time offer of 40% off a Calm premium subscription, which includes hundreds of hours of programming and new content is added every week. Over 100 million people around the world use Calm to take care of their minds. Sleep more, stress less, live better with Calm. For listeners of the show, Calm is offering a special limited time promotion of 40% off a Calm premium subscription at calm.com slash a thing or two. Go to calm.com slash a thing or two for 40% off unlimited access to Calm's entire library. That's calm.com slash a thing or two.
You also made those great crackle yes. cookies for a team get together recently, those Dory Greenspan ones. And they are also three ingredients. If you're sensing a theme, it's just because I'm like very lazy when it comes to cookie stuff and don't want to get too many bowls dirty. And these are sugar, eggs, and slices of almonds. And you mix those things up and they like look kind of lacy and delicate. Mm-hmm. And somebody who was over was like, they look like a restaurant or they look like a, like like a magazine they, cover. Oh, yeah, like a like magazine, that. right. Like a Bon Appetit yeah. cover or something. And I was like, wow, that is like the ultimate. ultimate. Huge compliment. The thing that I love to make that does not at all feel like a mag, or at least like not that mm-hmm. kind of magazine cover are yes. skillet cookies, which I also just feel like barely counts as oh, baking yeah. because you really like can and should just do it with store-bought dough. And I was thinking recently how much I want to do it with that Brutus Bake Shop miso chocolate chip well, cookie dough. Well, but here's dough. my question because those cookies are like kind of crackly and I feel like you want like a... Oh, you just undercook it. <laughs> you just smush cookie dough into a cast iron pan or like an oven, whatever, oven pan, whatever, an oven safe pan and you cook it as, you know, much yeah. through as you want to. It's, I I prefer undercooked. And of then... Course. Ideally, you like gather around with people and just scoop, you top it with like ice cream fudge, whatever toppings you're interested in. And then, you know, ideally you're eating it out of the pan as yeah. like a group. I I always have frozen like Toll House or Pillsbury dough in my freezer for this reason and then never actually make it. But I just always want to be ready to make I it. I think that's a great time. idea. Exactly. And obviously you use HDVB. Like to me, you can't use anything other than chocolate chip dough and vanilla ice cream. Doing it I any sh- other way would be crazy. Totally. To I think, or I think you have to go like really left field. Like there's this real simple recipe that's flourless chocolate skillet cake with coffee ice cream that is like- okay. You know, like if you want to like, I don't, I think you have to either go super classic or super not classic. Yeah. I, I will let somebody else do the super not classic. I would take the like chocolate cake. It's the coffee ice cream where I'm like, no, it needs to be vanilla. I don't really like coffee ice cream in general. So that one's like not really my vibe. It's just such a good like group trip thing. I mean, thing Mm -hmm. and like post like après ski thing. It's just like, you've been outside and you're a little cold and you've like, you're like, whatever you had for dinner isn't going to cut it Yeah, thing. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Speaking of ice cream, I, and this is not baking. If skillet cookies are not really baking, this is absolutely not baking. (laughs) But I did get into making ice cream cake this summer because there's this amazing, well, I'm sure there's like better, more involved ways to make ice cream cake, but New York Times did a tutorial on how to make two different ice cream cakes in a way that was basically just buying a bunch of ice cream letting it get soft enough and then layering it on a pan with either like crumbled cookies or ice cream sandwiches in between each of the layers. And it's so good and so just easy to do. And also like when Cam gets older, I think will be really fun to do with him because it's really just smushing ice cream in a pan. But I just really felt like, oh, I didn't realize that I had the ability to make my own ice cream cake, but I can I was so impressed with the layer of ice cream sandwiches in the it's process. It's a truly genius. This concept. is like a small victory. Like yep. because you're getting a layer of cookie and then ice cream and cookie for the cost of one layer. You know what yes. I mean? It's totally. a three for one. Like tremendous. Absolutely it's tremendous. Really so good. That recipe, you use them in between layers of mint chocolate chip ice cream and like you also crush up thin mints and make that the bottom layer. It's so good. So good. This also does feel like the thing that if you were having people over like twice in a week or so, you know what I mean? If Mm -hmm. you were like, I don't know, like if it was a holiday thing or whatever and you were like needed two desserts, you could like make this and have them both and not worry about it being like fresh. 
Totally. Yes. You do not need it to be fresh. That is for sure. The thing I really want to try that I haven't is butter mochi. What is this? So it's this cake. It's like a Hawaiian thing and it's made with sweet rice flour and it just... The words butter and mochi together could not sound better to me. Sounds so good. So it's so you use rice flour for the cake, and then where does the mochi come into play? Well, mochi is rice flour. Right. So it's a cake that has like a mochi-like consistency. That's right. That's right. Or okay. like a mul- mochi-like approach. Exactly. Okay. And yeah, I'm really, I'm very taken with it, but have not made it. There's a Trader Joe's box mix too, which I kind of want to hear someone's take on okay. if that's worth my if that's worth my trouble. Interesting. I would eat that if you make that. Yeah. Bring some over here. (laughs) Good. You know what? That's actually really Uh helpful to know. (laughs) Yeah. Can we talk about holiday cookies and like holiday Mm baking-y things? What did you have in your house? What were like the things? Um, Pecan pie at Uh Thanksgiving that I love my mom's pecan pie so much. I think you linked it here. Yes. A bourbon pecan pie that is so delicious. I mean, I just make the pecan pie off the back of the Caro mm. corn syrup mm-hmm. bottle and it is delicious. And I like know that there are other ways to go, but have never. Would yeah, never. I mean, love pecan pie. Pumpkin pie. I no, don't know. Thank we you. Don't really mm-hmm. love pumpkin mm-hmm. pie. And then my mom makes a whipped cream for all these pies and it puts like kirsch or like framboise liqueur in the whipped cream and it is so good. Um, okay. That's a, that's a move. I love yeah. it. Yeah. But that we don't, we weren't like a big holiday baking family just cause like we weren't a big holidays family except during Thanksgiving when we do the pumpkin and the pecan pie. But I've enjoyed like last year, especially cause we were home for the holidays, got really excited about doing holiday cookies with Cam. That's cute. Um, yeah, he's into sprinkles and my, one of my best friends, grandmothers had died that year and she would always make these incredible ricotta cookies. And so we were passing around the recipe and I was like, okay, we're making ricotta cookies this year. And we used really good ricotta and it just was so delicious. And God, I could, I I had that problem where I was eating way too many of them, but I love that it's a vehicle for sprinkles and that Cam can get involved. Yeah, no, totally. We made a lot of cookies and like sugary things growing up around the holidays when I was a kid and would do like boxes of stuff for neighbors. And there was like this like kind of English toffee. There was like a peanut brittle. And then the two things that I still make are heavenly hash, which Mm -hmm. is again, like not really baking. It's like as much baking as like making Rice Krispie treats is basically where you melt chocolate, peanut butter, butterscotch chips in a double broiler or like a bowl on top of hot water. And then you take it off the heat and you like either mix marshmallows into it or you just throw marshmallows in the pan and spread it because you want the marshmallows to stay like not melt. You want like clumps. Mm -hmm. And it like is just, it's like fudgy looking, but like not as elegant as all that. It's so good. And you could eat like a million of them, Mm -hmm. a million of them. Yeah. I just listening to this, I'm like, my sugar craving, my sweet tooth is out of control. I am just like, my <laughs> mouth is watering. I want it all. I want to eat it all right 100%. now. 100%. And then butternut balls are um, these like very like light, like more delicate, like they look like little snowballs. You roll mm-hmm. them in powdered sugar twice. Like it's that mm-hmm. whole thing. But it's the kind of dough that you could make in advance. And yeah, they're more like a tea cookie or like yes. shortbread yeah. kind mm-hmm. of consistency. My mom would always overbake them and then they were like hard as rocks. And so that's the trick is like not overbaking them. And then Thomas has like family recipes. And then I, we always end up like trying a couple of new things in the Malier stolen bars, mm-hmm. which we mm-hmm. made last year 
are so delicious because you know that woman does not skimp on marzipan at all. So they were like extremely rich and decadent and just like, you know, a bar also was like a nice A bar is a nice thing. thing. A nice change from all the cookies you have that time of year. Totally. And then the recipe that I feel like is like for like real bakers or people who like really want to go for it are the gourmet spoon cookies. And they're like browned butter and you basically you like shape them in a spoon and then bake them and then you paste two together with a little bit of jam and they're like so pretty and perfect. And a college friend of ours, Andy, was making them on Instagram last year and I just had like such a like feeling about it of being like, oh, those. You know, I think you just made me realize something else about baking, why I don't do it. When you're described this and you were like, yeah, this is like for an advanced baker. I'm like, there's not really a huge upside to me making my own version of these. Like, I don't ever need to make this because somebody will make these or I can go buy these from someone. And like, I don't know where you're buying these. We live in New York. Somebody's making spoon. Somebody has yeah. spoon cookies for sale. But I guess it, or like or some really good baked. Yeah, yeah. you can you have make access to good baked goods. And whereas I see the argument for making my own dinner, I'm like, I don't know. I just you know, again, not that I don't like it and appreciate it and enjoy it sometimes. But I'm like, yeah, I'm not going to try this spoon cookie. I don't think the spoon cookies yeah. one for this spoon, yeah. spoon cookies for you. I would never suggest. I would absolutely never suggest. Yeah. The thing I really want to make this year are those pignoli cookies, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. with, which also, yeah. again, have almond paste and pine nuts yeah. and just like all these nut flavors. And Lydia Bastianich has a recipe. So does Grossi Pelosi. But they're like a classic Italian gluten, naturally gluten-free situation that yeah. just feels like, yeah. It feels like it would go well with Feast of the Seven Fishes to really get ahead of myself. Do you have anything else to say about baking? No, I think I got all, all my gripes about baking. <laughs> They're not really gripes. I just needed to explain why it's just never been a compulsion for me. I think, you know, if I ever have a time in my life where I'm bored and don't have stuff to do, I'll be like super into baking maybe. But it's just Perhaps. one of those things where I'm like, it's not the thing I'm going to do. And then like, you know, but we also have a friend, Britt, who like at, when she's at her busiest is like, I must bake. Because I, like, I think I it, it like, I it's think- It's a stress relief. Yeah, I think it does have like the- there's something about following clearly written mm-hmm. instructions that can be very meditative and yes, very like absolutely. self-soothing in that way, for sure. Right. You can lose yourself in it because you don't have to think. And yes. like that's kind of part of the appeal. I very much get that. All right. Well, that's the show. Hi, I am a longtime listener, first time caller. And I wanted to tell y'all something about um, the selling the episode that you did. So. I'm also a very big selling bee fan. I do it every single night and had a lot of similar experiences to what you described. I also always tend to miss the word onion. So when you said that, I was like, whoa, you're in my brain. But anyway, I wanted to push back on your point, though, that it's not an um, enriching kind of brain experience. I make a point to look at all the words that I missed, as you also said that you did. And if I don't know the definition of one of them, I will look it up. And so I do feel like I'm expanding my vocabulary. But specifically, yesterday, there was one, there was a word, I believe it's pronounced eidetic, eidetic, eidetic. Anyway, I didn't know what that meant. I'd never seen it before. So I looked it up and I found out there's something called eidetic memory, which is the ability to recall an image from memory with high precision after seeing it only once. And it is different from 
photographic memory because photographic memory, I think at least colloquially, usually refers to like if you can look at text and remember what it said. And I, turns out, I have eidetic memory. I did not know this. I always said I can really recall images really precisely, but I don't have photographic memory because I can't like remember information from a page per se. Anyway, just another benefit. This has been a production of Dear Media, and we are so, so grateful to the talented team over there for helping us to make this podcast happen, especially our outstanding producer, Brian Peoples. You can follow us on Instagram at a thing or two HQ. If you have ideas for the show or want to advertise, email podcast at a thing or two HQ.com. Find show notes and sign up for our newsletter at a thing or two HQ.com. If you love our show, consider supporting it by signing up for Secret Menu at, you guessed it, a thing or two HQ.com.